0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 343 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Psalm 148 today, and our focus is on our sea monsters in the Bible, plus a wonderful worship song in the Psalms. So our goal is to get you and everybody who will join us involved in daily Bible intake What we do here is we listen to the Word of God every day and we talk about it, seek to understand it, seek to follow it. We do have a website. It's Bible2021.com. Every episode of the show has its own transcript page as a blog post. And you can find out more about the show and subscribe at that website, Bible2021.com. So back in the day, like all the way back in 2019, I used to do a podcast called the Bible Mystery Podcast. And boy, oh boy, did we love verses like Psalm 148, verse 7, which says, Praise the Lord from the earth. All sea monsters and ocean depths. Now, I love mysteries and I love the Bible, so it was quite fun to explore some of the more interesting mysteries in the Bible, such as this one. Are there sea monsters in the Bible? Well, the obvious answer is yes. If you have a CSB translation, it's right there in black and white, right? And it's not the only place sea monsters are in the Bible. For instance, Psalm 74.13 says, You divided the sea with your strength. You smashed the heads of the... Sea monsters in the water. Or how about Isaiah 27.1. On that day, the Lord with his relentless large strong sword will bring judgment on Leviathan, the fleeing serpent. Leviathan, the twisting serpent. He will slay the monster that is in the sea. Or how about Job 7.12. Am I the sea or a sea monster that you keep me under guard? Well, surely other Bible translations don't use sea monsters here, right? Well, of course they don't. Psalm one forty eight verse seven in the King James version, for instance, says, "Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons and all deeps." So, am I telling you that there are actually dragons and sea monsters in the battle in the Bible? Well, that does sound a little ludicrous, doesn't it? And I guess my answer is it depends on how you define dragon or sea monster, right? Well, let's take a look at the Hebrew word here and see if we can figure out what it means. The Hebrew word is tanin. It is an intensive version of another Hebrew word, the word tan, that the King James Version with the word tan translates as whale. Tanin is the same Hebrew word that is used in Genesis one twenty one, which says, God created great whales in every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good." Well, why is it translated whale in Genesis 1.21 and dragon in Genesis one forty eight seven by the King James translation people? And the answer is, I have no idea. But I tend to think that the best bet for what the writer of Psalms intended for the word tannin is really neither whale nor dragon. I think we get an excellent clue in Exodus 7 verse 10, which says, Moses and Aaron went unto Pharaoh and they did as the Lord had commanded, and Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a tenin or a serpent. The fact that Tenin t, is translated as serpent in Exodus seven ten as whale in Genesis one hundred twenty one and dragon in Psalm one hundred forty eight seven tells us two things. Well, one of two things. Either a The King James Version translators had really no idea what the word meant, and they were just trying to guess in each instance, or B, the word can refer to more than one animal. Sort of think similar to how we might use the word beast or creature in English. Now, my best guess is that A and B are both somewhat true. We don't exactly know what animal the biblical writers intended for the word "teneen," and it does appear to be a word that can refer to more than one different kind of animal. I'll give you my guess. It's a little more specific, and it's based on two verses. For instance, Deuteronomy 32, says, Their wine is the poison of tannin, and there it's translated as dragons, and the cruel venom of asps. And Ezekiel 29, 3 says, Speak and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, Pharaoh king of Egypt, The great dragon that lieth in the midst of his rivers, which is said, My river is mine own, and I have made it for myself. Well, what great dragon lies in the Nile, the river of Egypt? Well, how about the Nile crocodile, who can reach a length of 20 feet long and weigh over 1,600 pounds? Well, that could certainly pass for a dragon-like creature, right? Or... Even a sea monster of some sorts, a Nile crocodile is a fearsome beast even today, and I suppose it is possible that they could have been bigger 3,000 years ago in Old Testament times. But what about the, quote, poison of dragons? Well, crocodiles don't have venom, do they? And of course they don't. And this gets back to our original contention that "tanine" appears to be a word that can stand for several creatures. And my belief is that reptile might just be an excellent translation. A large venomous snake is a reptile, of course, and so is the Nile crocodile. And that seems a far better translation than, for instance, sea monster or dragon. Of course, our original guess could be accurate as well, and tannin doesn't so much mean reptile as it means something like fearsome water creature or fearsome water beast, and therefore, in a sense, a certain sense, sea monster would be a good translation as long as we recognize that creatures like saltwater crocodiles and great white sharks could be understood as sea monsters. Uh, I believe the ESV translation goes with sea creature there, and it's hard to argue against something like that. Thus, let all the reptiles or the beasts of the water or the sea creatures praise the Lord. Well, that was kind of interesting to me, hopefully at least a little bit interesting to you. But let's close out on a spiritual high note. And we're going to turn to our old friend Charles Spurgeon to give us some soaring words on the wonderful song of worship that is Psalm 148. And I note with some degree of shame and chastening that Spurgeon gives me a hard time for trying to figure out what is meant by sea monster. This is what Spurgeon says. The song in Psalm 148 is... One and indivisible. It seems almost impossible to expound on it in detail, for a living poem is not to be dissected verse by verse. It is a song of nature and of grace. As a flash of lightning flames through space and enwraps both heaven and earth in one vestment of glory, so does the adoration of the Lord in the psalm light up all the universe and cause it to glow with a radiance of praise." The song begins in the heavens, sweeps downward to dragons in all deeps, and then ascends again till the people near unto Jehovah take up the song. For its exposition, the chief requisite is a heart on fire with reverent love to the Lord over all, who is to be blessed forever. Praise the Lord from the earth. The song in verse 7 descends to our abode, and some so comes nearer home to us. We who are earthly bodies are to pour out our portion of praise from the golden globe of this favored planet. Jehovah is to be praised not only in the earth, but from the earth, as if the adoration ran over from this planet into the general accumulation of worship. In the first verse, the song was from the heavens. Here it is going from the earth. Songs coming down from heaven are to blend with those going up from the earth. The earth here, meant is our entire globe of land and water. It is to be made vocal everywhere with praise for God. Ye dragons in all deeps, it would be idle mm, to inquire what special sea monsters are here meant, but we believe all of them are intended and the places where they abide are indicated by all deeps. Terrible beasts or fishes, wherever they roam the earth or swim the seas, are bidden to the feast of praise of God. Whether they float amid the teeming waves of the tropics or wind their way among the flows and bergs of polar waters, or even in the rivers, they are commanded by our sacred poet to yield their tribute to the creating Jehovah. They pay no service to men. Let them the more heartily confess their allegiance to the Lord." About dragons and deeps, there is somewhat of dread, but this may be the more fitly become the base of the music of the psalm. If there be aught grim in mythology or fantastic in heraldry, let it praise the incomprehensible Lord. Amen. I think Spurgeon did a better job with that chapter than I did, huh? Let's read our chapter. It is Psalm 148 in the Christian Standard Bible. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly armies. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them in position forever and ever he gave an order that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, all sea monsters and ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and cloud, stormy wind that executes his command, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, "...wild animals and all cattle, creatures that crawl and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, young men as well as young women, old and young together, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted, his majesty covers heaven and earth." He has raised up a horn for his people, resulting in praise to all his faithful ones, to the Israelites, the people close to him. Hallelujah. Well, let's close out with our Bible memory passage for the month of December. It's Revelation 5, 12. They said with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Amen. Good day to you, friends. Watch out for sea monsters and Godspeed.